Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You have... Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website. This is the July 28, 2017 uh, edition, which means that, that summer is flying by. Um, I'm your host, uh, William Hayashi, and tonight's special guest is Angel Davis, and hi. she's a, hi, a, a writer and uh, an artist. Um, she also owns ACD Studios. I need a link for that because Jarvis gave me the wrong link. It linked me to something with uh, a drone, and I know that's that's probably not you. And, um, yeah, welcome to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing pretty great, thanks. How are you? Not bad. Where are you coming to us from? Um, well, right now I'm in Savannah, Georgia. Um, I uh-huh. live there after um, going to school. I'm here at um, Savannah College of Art and Design. I'm originally Mm -hmm. from Virginia. What part of Virginia? Virginia Beach, actually. Um, I was pretty much raised there um, since I was Mm -hmm. very little. Um, I was born in New Orleans. Most of my family is from New Orleans, but my dad was in the military. So he brought us out there so that, you know, we could get, you know, good educations and, you know, live the life that he wanted us to live. That's pretty cool. Did you you suffer kind of like the military rat kind of uh, circumstance where you moved a lot or were, were you lucky enough? Was, your, was he lucky enough to kind of be stationed and stay Actually, put? Actually, we were, we were really fortunate. We pretty much stayed in um, Virginia Beach all of our lives. I had, we had a couple of homes, but we still stayed there long enough, you know, to make good friendships and, and things like that. Um, the only real difficult part of my dad being in the, in the military, at least for us um, kids, was that he would often have to go on, like, those six-month cruises where he'd be away, you know, just be our mom and me and my brothers sure. and my mom. So, um, but, yeah, we were really fortunate for that. He didn't have to – we didn't have to move, like, every couple years or anything like that. And even when we did, we stayed in Virginia Beach. Yeah, but it sounds like you were able to put down roots and kind of establish who you were and, you know, keep with your friends and things like that, which, you know, it, it does help the stability – yeah, of, it really does. Of, of growing up, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't understand that. You know, military service is not always easy for for everyone involved. So that's kind of no, cool that no. you got you managed to do that. And, yeah, and really. so um, as you were growing up, and 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 wait, how how long were you in Virginia Beach? Oh man, um, I actually only moved out of Virginia Beach like officially, like maybe six or seven months ago. I mean, I had come to Savannah was staying here for a long time because I, I got my master's here. So, I mean, I've been uh-huh. here for roughly three years, but um, I only officially moved down here recently. Oh, okay. So, I mean, so growing up there, um, mm-hmm. let me ask you, you know, a couple of, of background questions. I mean, you know, the thing about being an artist, most of us are artists by default early because, you know, we grab crayons. Mm-hmm. We were supposed right, to right, right. school. We have to... We have to do. 
We have to do uh, five-finger turkey pro- uh, projects, which is really unfortunate for kids <laughs> who are missing a finger because they always feel <laughs> that their turkeys are lacking. Um, yeah. But, I mean, have you been drawing most of your life? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Um, I've I've been drawing and, and writing since, like, as far back as I remember, like, the kindergarten, first grade. So yeah, I've always I've always really enjoyed drawing. Um, I really got um, really really into it, like in um, maybe late middle school, early high school, and then I I went okay. like and then I realized that that's really really what I wanted to do in my life in college. So mm-hmm, before mm-hmm. then, it was really just a, a hobby. I really enjoyed writing and 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 drawing, but. It was in college when I realized that I really wanted to do it. But I've been drawing and, and writing stuff since I was a kid. Yeah. And and what kind of stuff did you write? Um, I used to write um little short stories. I used to, I used to write a lot of poetry, like a lot of poetry. Um, uh-huh. um all all kinds of things really. Like I would make a lot of different characters and um just kinda give them, you know, backstories and and just little stories, um, mostly short stories. When I got a little bit older, like maybe in mid- middle school and high school, I started drawing, like writing fan fiction and stuff, like of all my favorite shows and stuff like that. But yeah, that's that's pretty much what I did, like uh, short stories and a lot of poetry. Okay, and so um, what what you know, at, especially at that age, you know, you're young, you're impressionable, you get you're exposed to so many things. It's exciting because. Mm-hmm. Well, most everything's exciting and new, you know, like they sing yeah. about the love boat. Um, right. <laughs> but, 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 like, what were some of the early influences, you know, when you talk about high school? You know, what, what kinds of things were, were really piquing your interest at that age? Okay. Well, you, talk, you talked about fan fiction, and I yeah. don't know if you were doing fan fiction by then. I mean, like, like okay, some, and, and this is just some guys that I know, they would mm-hmm. do you know, their own little stories or their comic books about Spider-Man or mm-hmm. about Superman or whatever whatever comic was, like, really hot with them, or even several comics. Um, mm-hmm. Was was your interest along those lines, or was it something different? Well, my different. Um, first of all, coming up, I was a huge Disney fanatic. Um, I oh, love sure. Disney. Yeah, yeah I've... Um, it, Disney is really was like one of my my like dream things. They really made me do, want to do what I wanted to do. Um, so mm-hmm. I always um, really enjoyed watching the movies and was really inspired by like you know the TV shows and, and things like that. So sometimes I would write um, stories about those characters. Um, when I got to high school, specifically like late late middle school, early high school is when I discovered anime. Um, okay. So, um, yeah, so, like, I was watching, you know, Dragon Ball Z, I was watching Sailor Moon, I was watching Gundam Wing, like, there was, like, Toonami, like, people, you know, that was on Cartoon Network, and that really excited me, that was what what really got me into drawing a lot, a lot, a lot, um, so I would take some of those characters, and I would write stories about them, I would draw pictures and comics about them, and that really got me into, you know, creating my own characters, too, um, I would even write stories about my friends like you know we, we really like enjoyed you know the the crazy adventures and the um the crazy experiences that people would have in these movies and these cartoons and these animes so sometimes we would end up you know writing stories about ourselves but as characters almost like in you know D or like tabletop RPGs and those kinds of things so yeah like those were the kinds of things that I, I wrote in high school and 
including my own stories that like kind of started to grow as I mm-hmm. as it continued. Mm-hmm. What's kind of cool is you know there, there's a generational thing going on at least between you and I because mm-hmm. I'm I'm a lot older and I didn't have you know the, the examples of that style of art for us were mm-hmm. like just a few comics uh, excuse me a few cartoons that were imported from Japan and you mm-hmm. know they put uh, an American soundtrack on it like. Uh, Speed Racer, or oh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't remember. I don't remember them, but yeah, but but see that that was different, and the the whole advent of cable and and them trying to fill cable channels with content to attract young eyes like yours, mm-hmm. um, that re- that really opened up a whole lot of um, content that that had never been seen before in America for mm-hmm. the most part. You know, a yeah. lot of people knew where niche stuff was. They knew where some special stuff was, or they knew, oh, right. have you heard about this? But as far as a, a, a larger fan base and, and exposure, I think you grew up in a very, very exciting time in order yeah, to, I agree. to be able to see all of that, that different type of content and those styles. And then when I look at your mm-hmm. work, your work is, you know, obviously there's there's there, there's kind of a, a flavor of anime mm-hmm. to it, but it but it is your own. It's uniquely your own, um, mm-hmm. which I think is entirely cool. Uh, you you have managed to carve out a look that that is pretty unique, or at least if not oh, unique, re- readily identifiable as yours. But I try right. to do some research. I don't want to be one of those folks where you go, you know, this this person doesn't know a damn thing about me, you know, and. and <laughs> Well, no, I mean, I have to admit, I listen to other shows, and then I, mm-hmm. I go, these people didn't, don't even know what this woman does, you know, and they're floundering mm-hmm. around. So mm-hmm. I do like your style. It, it, it's awesome because it is, it, it's, it's a great blend which turns out to be uniquely your own. And for people mm-hmm. who are, are going to look for your stuff, um, you did put the link in there. So it's www.acdstudio.com. SLLC.com, right? Right, right. Yeah, I'm going to actually pull that up myself because the link that I had before was not correct. Um, and, and so uh, you've, got, you've got the content that you saw on cable. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what other kinds of influences did you have, you know, Okay. Um, you, know, you know, coming up, you know, you know what, because it, it, there's so much excitement out there that you could um, glom onto, uh, right. give, give the people a little idea of, of what it was to be in high school, to be ex- that excited, mm-hmm. and um, see what's going on. And I just blew myself out of the chat room. Go ahead, please. Uh-huh. Well, um, it's funny because... Um, like I said, in high school, um, Disney and anime were my major, major influences, that and manga. Um, I, when I was growing up, I wasn't really into, like, you know, DC or Marvel or superhero comics. Um, those are the things that I was into. And actually, I didn't really start thinking about comics until well after college. Um, so let me explain. I went to um, my undergrad, and it was Norfolk State University um, back in uh-huh. Virginia, uh, specifically Norfolk. And... There, um, I was going to be a chemistry pre-med major. Um, so I did, like, two years of chemistry pre-med, and then I sat down with my mom, and 
we talked about how I would have been a lot happier, you know, doing art because I've always been drawing. I've always been writing. These are things that I really love to do. So I switched over sure. to fine arts. Um, and I I did the fine arts and I got the degree, but I still felt like there was still something missing. There was still I needed more to make myself um, able to to do the things that I love to to earn a living doing the things that I love. And then I found out that you could go to school for comics, and comics is basically creating stories and drawing the pictures to go with them. And I was like, what what is, what is this? You know. So um, and so that's when I went down to Savannah to go to SCAD. Um, and that's where a lot of my newer influences came in, and that's where I learned the most and really started embracing myself as a creator. Um, and okay. so um, as far as my my comics influences after that, um, one of the, the things that I really love that I got in, um, interested in um, are BD comics, which are basically comics from in Europe, um, the Bandesnet comics. Uh, even Even when looking at those, I was still really influenced by Disney because there's um there was a Paris um um animation studio in in France and um mm-hmm. when that one shut down that studio is responsible for some of my favorite Disney movies like um Tarzan and Atlantis and The Hunchback of Notre Dame um a lot of those different movies and when that closed down the artists the animators that were at that um animation studio they kind of flooded the comic scene there. And um, over in Europe, the, the comics industry is a lot, lot different from here in America where it really, the mainstream really focuses on like DC and Marvel. Um, it's, it's the respect and the, the, the appreciation for indie comics and all kinds of comics over there is a lot different. So um, they basically flooded that, um, they, they the flooded local scene. Yeah, the local, yeah. Yeah, the local scene and came out with these amazing, these amazing books and the characters are so alive and they feel so real and they move. Um, you can just you can see the movement in the pages. And when I saw that, I was just so impressed and I really appreciated that I could still see that life that animation brings. That you could still see it in comic books. And I think that was one of my bigger influences later in life. Um, in a way, it's still you know that animation in Disney. Um, influence, but in a way that I had never seen before. Um, so yeah. that I think that Disney would be like has, one of the greatest ones. Yeah, Disney has been top-notch, and it won't be long before, you know, they'll reach their 100th year anniversary for producing, mm-hmm. you know, um, at least, uh, I don't want to say cartoon, but let's talk, let's talk about animated movies, you know, animated mm-hmm. movie content. And, and they, were, they were such a leader for so long, mm-hmm. and then, of course, mm-hmm. they... They said instead of us working so hard, let's just snag Pixar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kind of it was a little and, disappointing and, when they closed down the, you know, the 2D animation because I really loved that. But you know, um, people try different things and try to move in different directions. Well, it's also, you know, it's also expensive. A lot of that mm-hmm. stuff is driven by finances, and mm-hmm. and sad to say, when you see something that is truly remarkable. It's evocative mm-hmm. because as you watch it, like you said, it almost can't, you, you can almost see the roots of animation in the still life, the still drawings, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then when, when people go ahead and they make a transition like that, you know, it's hard not to miss what came before mm-hmm. because, you yes, know, there's, there's kind of that, that disappointment. It's like, oh, man, you know, they were doing this, this, and this right. so well. 
and now it's gone. And and so, but also, I think the best part of that is it opens up the possibilities for other people to say, you know what, they they started out well. They gave us a great grounding in X, Y, and Z, and mm-hmm. this gives me now an opportunity to take that even higher. You know, to to push it even further. So. I mean, yeah, now, have you ever have you ever been overseas to to any you know to visit any of the venues where these people hang out, or are you someone who appreciates from afar? Um, well, actually, um, going to SCAD, um, I was able to go and study abroad a couple times. Um, mm-hmm. We the first place that I went, we went to Hong Kong, and we got to you know um, check out the um, the museums there. We got to see a lot of the comics that they do over there, and that was really great. And then I also, um, we also went to I, um, Lacoste, which is in southern France, and we were really fortunate to be out there during Angoulême, which is like the biggest comic, um, like, it's almost like Comic-Con in Europe, and it's, it's, it's really amazing. It's like there's this little city, and like basically the entire little city gets taken over by, you know, a Comic-Con, and it's, it's really great. Um, and that was a, a really a really special experience for me um, as a comic person as, and as a person in general, just seeing that different, um, the, the culture around comics in that situation and how they handle and appreciate different topics. And um, so, yeah, that, I, I really appreciate that. I hope I can go again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, being able to meet the, the people who are maybe at the cutting edge or, or... – or, or who are doing the most exciting kind of work is always mm-hmm. great. And I think, you know, there's a certain amount of inspirational, there's an, an inspirational aspect to that, obviously. And the, the, the possibility for learning and networking is, is also something that can't be denied and shouldn't be turned down because, I mean, as a writer, I, I, uh, I read other people's writing and I look at, you know, some of the ways they do things and I still learn you know, I'm I'm not mm-hmm. burned out on oh, you know, I'm stuck in my rut and I'm going to stay here for the rest of my life. So I mean, that sounds pretty cool. Um, I'm looking at you know when you go to the um, ACD Studios LLC um, A- website. Uh huh. Yeah, it's ACD Studios LLC dot Yeah. com. Yeah, and I look at at the drawings that you have just on the homepage. You know, mm-hmm. you you draw you draw more you draw different races you draw mm-hmm. different types of characters different mm-hmm. ages. Um, right, right. The, 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 the next thing I kind of want to ask is how how do you craft your stories? What's the basis for your you know the kind the kinds of stories that you write? Because you it it appears like you do it all. You know, you can you <laughs> craft your story and you do your writing. Or excuse me, you yeah. do the artwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for me, I think when the majority of, like, when I start an, an idea or a Mercury. story, like, it, it kind of starts with um, the drawing, like, a character. Um, a lot of times, like, I'll just, I'll be sketching, and I'll, like, sketch out a character, and then all of a sudden, I'll be like, who is this person? What is their name? What do they do? Like, what do they like? And they kind of come to life in my in my idea who are their friends what who are their family you know and 
when that starts to happen, I kind of see situations kind of starting to evolve around them. It's like a character in the male world starts to kind of build around them. And then Mm -hmm. I kind of see what are the things that they're afraid of? What are the things that would be cool to see them go up against? And that's generally how a lot of my stories um, kind of come to life. Um, Other times, like, I'll just get, like, some random idea, but then I'll – kind of build off of that, but a lot of times it really starts with me trying to picture the character that is living that experience, that's, that's trying to be a part of that story, um, that's trying to make that story come to life. You know, I feel like having believable characters is really important, so I think that's where I usually start. Mm-hmm. And and so I, it, it uh Okay, my writing style is different, but I don't have to do art. But it mm-hmm. sounds to me like, you know, you 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 take, you know, the fertile ground for your stories can be most anything. It can be, you know, yeah. thinking of a person that's situational. You could be, you could see a certain thing happen on the street and go, oh, that would make that would a be good really cool. entree. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah, so yeah, my yeah. friends and my family are always joking me. My brother. Um, he he's always saying he's always saying that my catchphrase is oh that would make an amazing story that would make a great story so yeah um, you, life is really great for for like you know inspiration for different things like you could see someone on the street and just kind of imagine what their life is and then you could add you know any elements that you want to and just kind of take it you know anywhere that you'd like to you know you know the sky's the limit honestly um, probably even farther than that. So, you know, anything that you kind of experience or see or even just create can can be a great starting point for any kind of story that you want. Um, I kind mm-hmm. of noticed that a lot of times with my stories, like I have different types of stories and, you know, different genres and things like that, but I feel like um, a lot of times I gravitate to um, stories about people working together, people, um, whether they're family or friends, kind of so not just seeing their differences, but celebrating their differences and, and playing a part that only each individual can play in how um, solving problems by working together, by each person doing their part. I generally really like those group community effort type stories um, that kind of mm-hmm. allows each character to, to kind of develop on their own and kind of come into their own and bring what they can to the table in order to ch- achieve a, a higher goal. I really like stories like that, so I tend to do that and, a lot. And what kind of genre do you think that you write in most? You know, like for me, it's speculative fiction. What, yeah. what would you, if you had to classify yours? I would definitely say spec fiction is, is what I do the most. Um, I I can enjoy high fantasy, but I'm not um, I'm not huge on high fantasy and I guess the same thing goes for, uh, well, I mean, that, you know, you like all kinds of things. I can't really say that I don't like any of the other other type things, whether it's, you know, mystery or whether it's sci- sci- science fiction. Um, but I think spec fiction is really what what excites me, what I really love to do. So yeah, I think yeah, that's for, yeah, for me it's the what ifs, you know, right. the what ifs. When you have mm-hmm. a situation, you go, well, what if, what if everybody was left-handed or what if everybody could mm-hmm. X, Y, or Z? And I think mm-hmm. that, that that's probably the best jumping off point. Um, now, in, you know, have you had, have you taken, have you taken any formal instruction in either storytelling 
or in doing, you know, doing the kind of um, artwork that you do. Uh, I, I know that you've been at least drawing for a long time. Right. But did you take creative writing classes? Oh, yeah, uh, did yeah. You... Um, in, the, in my undergrad, I took, um, uh, a, I took a few, like, creative writing classes. And then, like I said, I was a fine arts major. So but we did a lot of, you know, life drawing and then um, lots of different other types of art. But, like, once I got to SCAD, um, we I, we did a lot of storytelling classes, visual storytelling, um, environments. We we did you know comics like that was my focus was sequential art. That was the mm-hmm. uh, the name of, of my major or my master's degree was in sequential art, and that's basically you know comics. Um, we learned sequential art. We learned you know concept art, storyboarding. So yeah, that was all basically nothing but storytelling classes and and drawing classes. So that's where I got most of my 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 training from, um, and it was it was really good. I think SCAD was a really really good school. At least I I can speak for my department. Um, they really really cared about us, and they really tried their best to, you know, teach us the best that they can and provide us with opportunities. Um, it was a really expensive school, but I definitely can stand behind my my department, and yeah, they really really taught us well. Mm-hmm. And and when you think about, you know, going through that kind of training um, and also, you know, just the, the things that you did coming up through high school, what, about when did you, and, and you also mentioned that you knew that this was what you wanted to do, which means, you know, the implication there is, well, this is what I want to do for a living. This is what mm-hmm. I want to do as an application. Um, mm-hmm. when, when did you start turning to kind of like a commercial aspect to, to your output? Well, I remember when I was, when I started college and I was doing my chemistry pre-med, um, I'd be in class and, you know, we're taking notes and stuff, but I'm also doodling on my pages, you know. And when I decided to change to fine arts, um, I went into class and I noticed everybody in the room, we all had sketchbooks, and everybody was doodling in their pages. And I was like, oh, okay, well, this is definitely where I need to be because these people think like me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But after fine, after the fine arts department, um, and, you know, I learned a lot of different things. Um, I kind of felt like with that I was becoming somewhat of a, a jack-of-all-trades with that degree, um, but it okay. wasn't exactly what I wanted. And when I found – and I didn't want to do – a job that wasn't related to art, but I just really didn't know how to market myself. I didn't really know how to pursue take, that those take goals. that first commercial step. Right, and but I I knew I wanted to somehow, and then when I found out that I could go to school for something like sequential art for comics, and that those kind of things could lead to doing concept art and and storyboarding, and that means that I could be in the pre visualization for like Disney movies or something like that. Uh, I, that's when I realized, you know, I could actually, I could, I could do this. I could, I could live my life doing the art that I love. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's, that's, I think that's when I, I really changed my mind about it and really started to pursue that kind of, of, of life. Um, yeah. And I was kind of wondering, you know, at that time, because of, of the strong influence of Disney, plus mm-hmm. they were out there in front of everybody else as far as being a studio. Mm-hmm. Um, 
did you did you have aspirations or dreams of maybe going and working for them or working with them? Oh, or, yeah. Or did you always did you always think, well, you know, I can do my own thing and be more in control of my destiny or whatever reasoning that you chose? Um, mm-hmm. You know what? A, a well, lot of people will will go and they'll go to school because they want to, you know, like like there's kids out there who want to work for Pixar, so they go and they they do their whole academic program and that you know getting into school maybe going to uh, southern california that sort of thing and and that's their goal i mean were you more thinking working for right. somebody else or or, or no. had you even even gotten that far yet in in well, deciding as i you know growing up i was always um enjoyed writing my own stories and ideas like i i had lots of ideas and i always have had you know these these notions and these worlds and these characters that I kind of wanted to bring to life. So I kind of always wanted to do my own thing. Um, It wasn't really until, like, late college that I started thinking about, you know, really what that meant to, you know, be on your, you know, be on your own and really, you know, make, create your own um, life. But I know I've always kind of liked, I've always loved Disney. I've always been a fan of Disney. And um, in Lake College, I felt like I was like, oh, that would be amazing to work for Disney. That would be that would be a really great dream. Um, so I do feel like I had a dream to do that, but I kind mm-hmm. of felt like it was never like, oh, this is my ultimate dream. I, I've always kind of in, in my heart wanted to create my own stories. So, um it would it would definitely I, I was kind of viewed working for like um for a studio as something that would be great to do and have like you know on my resume or and you know to make money with but like like my dream my goal to satisfy not necessarily my financial you know my financial burdens but my 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 spirit like to right. satisfy Being that creator in me yes exactly would be to create my own things I feel like that's yeah. kind of how I've always approached it. Sure, and and about when in your in your evolution as an artist did you start putting together, you know, the elements necessary to let's say do your own, I don't know, comic, your own storyboards, your own, you know, maybe even thinking about your own uh, animated feature or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. How far along were you when you started getting to to the nuts and bolts? Of, of assembling all of the pieces that you had learned and applying them to to the creation of something uniquely your own? Um, actually, those things didn't really happen until I got to SCAD because um, before then I, I didn't really see it as, as a reality, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in in high school I had a story that I was working on and I worked on it all the time and I was writing it and I was sharing it with friends and family. And I always thought maybe it, it was kind of like this little dream of mine that maybe it would be this great story or an animated series one day. Um, but back then I didn't, I didn't really, I don't want to say that I didn't believe it could happen, but it wasn't, you know, really real in my head. It was still kind of like this awesome, what if, wouldn't that be cool if this happened kind of feeling. And it wasn't until I started going to school and I was actually in the process of being taught how to do all these things that I realized that I really could do these things. Um, 
So it wasn't, I mean, maybe four years ago uh, is when it really started to kind of come together at the, at the be- at best. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You're, you're pretty early on in your career. Yeah, 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 really. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, I'm, I, don't, I don't say that in any judgment or anything, but I, oh, no, I think I it's pretty cool because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you're, you're, you're driven enough to to want to put yourself out there. And, right. and so at the, at the very beginning of when you started trying to commercialize your, 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 um, your education, your talents, and your gifts, mm-hmm. um, what, how, tell us a little bit about the very beginning of that, when you finally decided to pivot to, to doing all of this for yourself um, instead of maybe going and getting a, you know, a nine-to-five or a, a nine-to-nine Disney or Pixar or whomever, you know? Right, right. I understand. Um, Well, I think the biggest thing that really, really pushed me is being around other creators. I, I, like I said before, I really appreciated our, our professors and what they did for us and what they taught us. But I think one of the most important, most valuable things that I got from SCAD was being surrounded by other artists who were, you know, doing their best to, you know, create stories, create art, and we were all kind of inspiring each other and pushing our t- each other. Um, and seeing other people succeed um, is what really made me think, oh, okay, well, maybe I could do this too. I feel like that kind of applies to anyone in, in any kind of situation. Um, when you see other people doing something that you might want to do, that can give you that push that you need to try to do it too. It's like, I, I, and this might not be exactly related, but I remember when I was little, um, my father was in the military, um, and he and my mother would take us to um, to these homoramas where they would show these really beautiful houses and um, and just, you know, we, they would be like 10 or so houses that are like fully decorated and really big houses. And you would bring us in there and, you know, show us when we were really little. And we, we used to love that. It was like going to like Bush Gardens, you know, because it was just, they were so pretty and so nice. And we would get to walk through and just see what they were like. And it kind sure. of put like a hunger for that kind of house. And it was the same kind of feeling that I got when I went to SCAD. I saw people creating comics. I saw people working for these cool companies. I saw people just learning how to draw and drawing better, like being, you know, paid to draw the things that they loved. I mean, one of my first classes, we went in class and our first assignment was to draw Batman. Like, like how cool is that? Like their homework is to draw Batman. And so mm-hmm. um, I think that really just inspired me and to to kind of go down that and be like, I, you know, I could do this. I can, I can use my art, use the things that I love to kind of carve out a space for myself in in the world, you know. So, I think that's really what it was. Well, well, and being able to actually do it is is so empowering. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the closest thing I found it had nothing to do with writing or anything creative that I've done, but like my my dad and my brother and I and you know grandfather or whatever, we actually built our a second home in Wisconsin. Mm, man. And, and and being and and learning how to do drywall and and 
carpentry and, you know, mm-hmm. electrical. And I mean, because up until then, if, if I dealt with a house, it was like walking in the front mm-hmm. door, turning the key, going in somebody's house. <laughs> and, and I never, I never knew the mm-hmm. artistry behind making it happen. Exactly. And so, exactly. and so doing that was hugely empowering because I'm, I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not, then after that, I would walk in people's houses going, well, who laid this counter? I mean, look at look at all that space. There. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. They don't get water down by their potatoes or whatever. Exactly. So, I mean, for you, you've got all of these tools. You've got the skill set that you you got. Not not professionally, but educationally. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's more formal training, and mm-hmm. then and then all of a sudden you decide, well, I'm going to turn this into me doing for me. Mm-hmm. And and so what when what was it that made you actually take that first step? Talk a little bit about deciding to become um, a, a commercial content creator. Um, well, um, I think it's it's. I think it was really when I. Um, here's one thing: I went to school, and then I had to leave school for a, a brief period of time because. Um, I was unable to stay in school for financial reasons, so I had to take a break and come back. And while I was on break, I was working at um, J.C. Penney, you know, like a, a, you know, as a cashier, you know, working pretty close to full time, but not quite. And I really really hated that job. <laughs> like, I mean, even, even though you're working at a place where you're supposed to be smarter than ever, you yeah, still hated it. Yeah, and and I mean, nothing to, you know, there, you know, if you, there's nothing against, you know, working at places like that, but I just, I realized that wasn't for me, and I had ideas in my head, and you can't, when you have a whole bunch of ideas in your head that you want to see happen, I remember a long time ago I heard someone say that if you're not going to make your dreams come true, you're going to you're either going to make your dreams come true or you're going to make someone else's dreams come true. Um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I think that's really what it was. It was like either I was going to work for someone else and you know do what they wanted me to do or I was going to work for myself and do what I wanted to do. And that's not to say mm-hmm. that I don't, you know, do work for other people right now. I still do freelance work. I still, you know, do what I need to do. But I I can't lose sight of my dreams, which are to take stories that I've created and share them, you know, to, to share them. Yeah, bring them to life. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, that's really important. Maybe that was a good turning point for me. Um mm-hmm. And I've always had really um, supportive parents that have always really put, I've always had a really supportive family um, that have not only supported my art, but also really pushed me. Like, they've always been like, you know, Angel, this is what you love, this is what you say you love, do it, you know. And um, it hasn't always been easy, and I haven't always been um, all smiles, but um, day by day, we you know keep working at it, and you keep trying to to do more and more of what you love, and and try to make it a reality. So I'm really thankful that I have a lot of supportive people in my life because um, I feel like 
I would not be half as far as I was if I didn't. Um, so it's important to have people around you that keep pushing you, that won't let you settle, um, right. especially when you say this is something that you want, you know, and you have to, you know, be dedicated to yourself and really, really push yourself to make those things happen. You know, and it's <clears throat> there's a certain amount of luck that has that has befallen you because a lot of people, and even people I've interviewed, have said, well, when I told my folks I wanted to be an artist and maybe do my own mm-hmm. comics, do my own mm-hmm. animation, you know, they said, well, my, my family wasn't really that supportive because mm-hmm. they didn't see the potential. You know, they didn't yeah. see, they wanted, they wanted their child to be successful. Right. And sometimes when you talk about branching out into, you know, some sort of creative endeavor like that, mm-hmm. people, you know, parents know the risk. They, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people know the risk. They know that it's hit or miss. It's like a kid coming home saying, well, I'm going to be the next, uh, I don't even know who's the big uh, basketball person. You know, then I want to be the next <laughs> LeBron James or mm-hmm. I want to be the next great rapper. Or I want to be the next this. And parents, mm-hmm. You know, out of out of obligation, have to sometimes pull them back a little bit and say, right. well, "Well, why don't you continue on in school for a little while, pick up some skills and stuff, so you have something to fall back on?" Because nobody wants them to not succeed. But then it, it appears that you you were fortunate enough to be surrounded by people who understood the potential and understood the fact that not only was your desire that strong, but maybe perhaps that you wouldn't be happy doing right. something else. Exactly, exactly. You know? Yeah, that's what she told me. Like, my you know, my, my parents are, and they're definitely those kind of parents that they just really want me to be successful. They want the best for me. They want me to be happy. Um, now, my mom, I remember a long time ago when she did tell me, you know, maybe I should change from the chemistry pre-med. She was like, you know, I, I could see you, like, even if you made, like, what, $20,000 a year, you'd still be happier as an artist than, you know, making, you know, 200000 as a as a surgeon. And that's not to say that she wasn't in any way saying that she wanted me to make 3000 a year or, or less or, or oh, whatever. No, no, no. She, she, she yeah, wanted me that, was but... a secondary consideration. It was a second, but she knows that I would be happier doing my art. Right. But, and yeah. so, in, but instead of being like, you know, do what you want, she's like, okay, but if you're going to do this with your life, let's make this work for you. You know, we got to make it we got to make it work for you. So she's always been very, you know, you know, active in it and, and just make, checking on me and making sure that I'm still, you know, trying to stay the course. Um, both of my parents have been very supportive. And, and, they're all, and the, the great thing about it is both of them are a lot more practical than I am. So, like, <laughs> while I'm like, oh, I've got these amazing ideas, mom, dad, if it's so crazy, they'll be like, okay, that's great, but. How are you going to make these a reality? What are you going to do to take care of yourself, to put yourself in the situation where you can do something about it? Because, you know, thinking about it and having these great ideas is all, you know, fun and dandy, but if you don't do anything with them, then they're just ideas and dreams that never become to a reality. And so, yeah, I definitely appreciate that. So, well, and the yeah, other thing is, you know, you, you still have to buy groceries. Right, exactly, you know, exactly. You still have to put fuel in the in the car if you've got a car. I mean, you still mm-hmm. there. You know, there are necessities of life exactly that 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 have to be paid attention to. You can't mm-hmm. you can't neglect them unless you're you know extremely right. fortunate to be maybe independently wealthy or something like that. Right, um, right. No. <laughs> well, and 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 so okay. So let us know when when 
uh, I, I take it, you know, just looking at your work, that you have you have definitely embarked on your own content creation. Can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about some of your earlier works, you know, that your seminal works that that truly reflected, you know, that finally got you out in front of yourself so that mm-hmm. you were working on what it was that you wanted to work on. So tell us a little bit about some of your, you know, the, the earliest works that you had that reflected you as a content creator. Okay. Well, um, I, while in school we started, they kind of introduced us to a lot of uh, different things. Um, um, one of the things that they introduced us to was Kickstarter. So um, a friend's peers and I, um, we've done several anthologies on Kickstarter and um, where we'll create like short comics and come together and, you know, create a book. Um, so we've okay. done a couple of those. Um, one's called Horizon, another one's called Game On. Um, we just did a lot of those, and, and that really was exciting for me because I got to see my work in a, a printed, you know, book. Um, format, um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, a printed format, and that was really exciting for me because, you know, it looks so professional. It, it makes you feel like, okay, you're not just like, like doing this for a hobby, you could, you know, you're getting in front of people. People can see you and take you seriously as a comic artist. Um, I did a couple of illustrations um, and worked with um, people um, for, um, from Viz Media, um, and we met um, a lot of different editors from different places. They came to SCAD um, through Editors Day, where like certain editors from different um, publishers would come and you know look at our work and you know give us reviews and and things of that nature and and I ended up um, making um, a good friendship with one of the editors um, at Viz Media and I was able to work with him on a couple things um, um, Bravest Warriors well not the actual comic but we did a, a search like a you know as like a search and find um, book and I did an illustration in in there and I've he's um, allowed me to work with him on other things, whether they're, like, potential test pages for um, different comics or working on, recently working on um, a Hello Kitty coloring book. And I've done lots of other um, freelance work. Um, I did um, another um, anthology when we went to France um, called Sweet Tea to BD. It was on Comicsology. Um, it was basically kind of these autobiographical com- biographical comics, excuse me, about our experience in Angoulême, that um, that comic convention that I was telling you about earlier. And sure. while starting in, when I was doing my master's, and even now, like sometimes I'll go to um, comic conventions or anime conventions, and I will table there, and I'll do commissions, and those things. When people are, you know, paying for your art and really appreciating, you know, your skills, it, it really pushes you and makes you feel, you know, I'm not just doing this because I, like, it's a hobby. It's, it's, an, it's an actual, you know, livable lifestyle. So it's, you're, you're, a, you're a professional. And, and I right. think those are the things that really, really made a difference for me. And, and you know, you mentioned that you, you have done a certain amount of networking with other people, um, mm-hmm. other talents, other, other creatives. Um, you know, do you have a, a kind of a, a feel for how your work is regarded? Because that's, that's hugely important because it, mm-hmm. it, it can, it can it inspire you or, you know, if you've got a unique personality, 
you know, mm-hmm. you know how some people will give up because mm-hmm. they don't, they lack their own, I don't know, maybe well, self-confidence, I, self-confidence, yeah, I think. I, probably, yeah. Okay, so that is a, that is a subject. <laughs> so um, it's, it's, you're, you're totally, absolutely right about that. And honestly, um, when I speak to people about my art, um, people, I, I seem to get, I seem to be well-received. Um, a lot of people really like my style. Um, they, you know, tell me that I've got talent and, you know, that I've really oh, put into beautiful. it. And, I mean, there's and no I, doubt I, about it. Um, however, um, that self-confidence is actually something that I've really, really, really struggled with um, as an artist. Um, um, you, I, I've been told that I'm, and I, I believe it, that I really am my worst critic. And that's not a very good thing, but it's it's true. Um, so um, that I've I've been working on that and, you know, taking things for face value and, you know, acknowledging um, the skills that I have. Um, but it's, sure. self, and self-confidence is really, really important. Um, and it has, I feel as though... Um, it's kind of in certain areas kind of stopped me from really pushing um, myself to my limits and, and to the places where I, I could possibly be. Um, but you have to learn to get past that and, and not be your own worst enemy. You have to learn to not be your biggest critic because, you know, you'll, you're going to see a lot more of, like you'll see something, you'll be like, oh, I wanted it to look like this. I wanted to do this, but it didn't quite turn out that way. But a lot of other people don't see it that way, and you have to be able to kind of see yourself through other people's eyes. Um, and sometimes, I guess for some people, that might not necessarily be. A lot of people might have the opposite situation where you can't, like, you know, compare yourself. Or, or if someone is being, like, negative towards you, you can't allow that to consume your thoughts about how you feel about yourself, but it's really important to have a self-confidence um, in order to be successful and to really go in the places that you want to go. Well, you know, there's a lot of people out there who there's a syndrome, I, I, and I'm not exactly sure what it's called, but, you know, along the lines of the whole self-confidence thing, there, mm-hmm. there are people who are so hypercritical of their own work Mm-hmm. that they are they're afraid to succeed mm-hmm. you know and and that's a, that's an odd thing to have to deal with i mean i i don't see that yeah. in you i i understand the hypercriticality is that the mm-hmm. word probably um, <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm i'm I just going to i'm going to pretend that that's the word because we're, we're going I'm the with host. that yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely <laughs> but <laughs> but but as long as it doesn't get to the point where you're constantly running yourself down. And I don't mm-hmm. see that. I don't see that at all because when you look at your work, the work itself shows a level of confidence that you should damn well be proud of. And, and everybody you. in the chat room, everybody who, who's looking at your work, you know, you've got people who want to see your work animated, which would, oh, man, can you imagine <laughs> that? How cool would that be? Yeah, that would be you awesome. Know, <laughs> You know, and, and do an adult in, if you do any animation so that I could do voiceover for one minor character for you, okay? <laughs> okay. Thank okay. you very much because I need to get my name and my voice out there more. Like, if people want to listen to me anymore. But seriously, <laughs> you, you know, as critical as you are, I think, I think that's a useful thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's useful because it will, it will force you toward a more honest 
self-evaluation because mm-hmm. there are also people out there who can't draw worth a damn who think mm-hmm. they're all that in a bag of chips, as they used to say back in the 80s. So, so I mean, you're right about I, – I understand how you feel it. I understand how that plays a role. And, but it should not take away your confidence, especially if you have other people telling you that your work is, you know, is, is uh, critically acclaimed. And, and hopefully you get enough, you know, you've got the support structure around you. You've got a, you've got a supportive family. You've got, you know, sounds like you've got a great network of people who yeah. can help you stay on track. So, of course, you know, it, it, you look at that, you have, to, you have to take it in toto, T-O-T-O, um, before mm-hmm. you start running yourself down. Because that, that first of all, it, it, it's not justified in your case. You have skills. I, I told you, your style is, is really unique. I mean, you have, you have developed your own style of, um, of drawing. And, you know, the next thing I'm going to try to do is I'll probably, you know, see what your writing is like because that's, that's, <laughs> also, well, that's also very important. You want to tell a good story. You want to tell a story that's compelling enough that people go, you know, I want to know more about these characters. I want to see what happens next. I, uh, I right. like this style. I like this person. And, and, you know, let's be honest. These days, creativity is judged a mm-hmm. lot as a cult of personality. So right. if people like your personality and they like the way you do what you do, mm-hmm. then they investigate the other things that you do other than the one thing they may have picked up or the two things, you know? So I, yeah, I think yeah. you're, you're, you know, it's my feeling that you're on the right track. You know, I'm not, I'm not an expert on it, but, you know, you, you have a steady enough head on your shoulders that you're going, mm-hmm. well, I should still keep improving. You know, I should, right. and I think all great creatives want to be a work in progress for the rest of their lives. And, okay. and I think most of us would rather judge ourselves by our last, the last thing we did compared to the thing before, uh, the thing before that and the thing before mm-hmm. that, rather than look at the rest of the world around us and go, oh, I got to be like him. Oh, I got to right. be like right. her. I got to draw this or draw that. Mm-hmm. And, and so to that end, do you, do you ever get to the point, you know, I, I'm sure you look at other people's work because you, you work with other people, you know other people, mm-hmm. and you do commissions. Mm-hmm. When, when you look at your work, how do you rate your own work compared to other people who are in a similar situation, you know, fairly new? You know, you haven't been doing this for 50 years. Um, right. How do you, how do you do, no, seriously, how do you get to a fairly honest self-evaluation because that's really important in mm-hmm. moving you forward and keeping you improving. Right. Um, well, when, now that I'm, I, and lately, I would say in the last year or so, I've become a lot more aware of how hypercritical I am. Um, so right. I've really been trying to, um, to, to have a better and more truthful view of myself and my artwork compared to other people. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel as though for the experience that I have um, and how much I've grown over the last couple years with my art, especially since being in school, that my art is in a very good place. I feel like even recently I've had a a great level up um, with my draftsmanship and, and things of that nature. And I feel that my skill is in a good place. 
Um, of course, like you said, everybody wants to improve. Everybody wants to be is or is a work in progress. Um, and there are definitely things that I want to get better at. But I do feel like my art is um, good. I, I do think mm-hmm. that it's a um, it's something that I can make a living off of. I feel like it's it's something that that there are people out there who want to see it. They want to have more of it. They want some. There are people out there who would want to buy it or or pay for more of it. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, that was something that was a, a really long was a, a a long time coming for me. Um, and even um, to this day, I still have, you know, my days where I get my, my doubts about it. But I think that in that area, I I'm, am coming to a, a better place with it. And I really do like my art. I like my style. Um, I want it to evolve and become something that's even more me. Um, I have lots of different influences, but it's always good to just keep your eyes open and keep your your feelers open for other things that you might like, um, aspects of certain other artists or companies that you see and you're like, I really want, I like that, and let those things influence you, but not too much, you know. You wanna you mm-hmm. wanna kind of become your own thing, and I, and I feel like as I continue to draw and and you know continue to take myself seriously, um, I'll become an even better version of myself. And it's like you said earlier, it's really important to compare what you're doing now to what you did yesterday, not to yeah. what other people are doing. Um, that's an easy way to kind of kind of tear yourself down because there's always going to be people who are better than you. There's always going to be people who are not as good as you. There's going to be, always going to be people who are, are, are at the same level of you. You can't compare yourself to people. That's the easiest way to kind of convince yourself that you're not where you should be. Well, I mean, it's it's not an apples and apples world in in, right. in the in the creative arts. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it, the the fact of the matter is is, or at least the way I see it, because I can't draw. I still only put three mm-hmm. fingers on a hand because you know that fourth finger <laughs> sticks out like a bad thumb. But <laughs> but when but when I when when I look at how other people develop their art. I think the ones who are the most successful are the ones who carve out an identifiable niche. All right, you're yeah. at the point now where you have seen so much art, you've seen so mm-hmm. much animation, you have seen so much of this, and internationally too. That mm-hmm. sometimes when you just look at something, you know, oh, so and so did that. Mm-hmm. Oh, so and so did that, and you recognize the style, you recognize the the lines and and the coloring and things like that. And it would seem to me that trying to achieve a unique aspect to your own art. So when people look at something, they go, oh, that's, uh, that's, that's Davis's art, you know, where, yeah. they, where, where your name starts coming up like that. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that that's probably a good thing to shoot for because yeah, what it does, it, it fulfills you commercially, plus mm-hmm. it also shows the maturity of you as a talent because you have settled exactly. on a style that, that is recognizable and mm-hmm. and so I think the part about doing the the side by side comparison, oh uh he's better than me, she's not as good as I am, oh, he just blows it out of the water i mm-hmm. I think it might be more of a stylistic maturity rather mm-hmm. than just a side by side oh he's great, I'm not great kind of comparison exactly and and mm-hmm. and and when you know like i said your your style is is to me you know just my eye and i'm not I'm not trained. 
I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you, you know, I, I don't know anybody's names. I know some of the people mm-hmm. I've interviewed, but, you know, some people go, well, when you do this and when you go to this school and, and mm-hmm. they do that, it, it's different for me. But then the one thing that makes it, itself apparent to me is when I look at the work and I go, oh, yeah, I recognize that that's, that's very, very good. And or even this it's not derivative of anything that I recognize. That's the right. other thing. It's not like they're copying, you know? Right. And and, and so when you look at, um, um, oh, someone someone in, in the chat room asked, what's the most recent comic or illustration that you did? Okay. Oh, well, I see you're, you're typing yeah. that in. But, yeah, Okay, right now, so they can go to, go to this website and take a look at your latest work? Yeah. That's the web comic that I'm working on. It's called Chimera Pride. It's about... A bunch of nerdy girls in in college, um, and uh, Gee, yeah, where'd you get an idea like that? Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I can't imagine where I, I, it just kind of pops out of my head one day. You know, who who knows? I get the craziest ideas. <laughs> yeah, see, you're lucky. If I was gonna, you know, take that kind of inspiration, we'd be talking, telling, I'd be telling stories about old guys on the porch hollering at folks to get the hell off their lawn. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but but I mean, it. it it's very cool that you've got you've got this style. Um, when when you think about moving forward, let's look at your kind of like your future arc. Normally, I do this later, but when, mm-hmm. what what do you see for yourself? Let's say for the next five years, do you have kind of a path? Do you have a business plan? Even do you have mm-hmm. you know how how have you looked at sustaining yourself commercially for the next few years? What do you have on tap? Um, I know that I want to do mostly um, my freelance work and as well as continuing to work on my webcomic. And um, there is a a book that I'm writing right now. Um, It's not Uh available for people to see yet, but I'm working on on the first draft, and hopefully that will be done by the end of the year. But I think I I do want to look into temporarily um, working for maybe a – like a studio um, as like mm-hmm. uh, with doing concept art or storyboarding. Um, like, because like you said, we have to like think about, uh, you know, your, your daily life, you know, taking care of your bills and, and, and your financial obligations. Um, but I feel like if I, if I were to do that, it would give me the space that I need to, um, you know, do what I, I love without, you know, the worry or the concern about, you know, the daily things that we need to oh, do. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. Um, but I will definitely be working on my own comics. Um, there's um, something I'm actually kind of working with a friend of mine, where I'm the writer and she's um, the artist for it that we are mm-hmm. considering pitching. But I won't get into that because we don't know where that's going yet. But I basically I want to work for a studio um, at the same time as you know working on my own things that I can read that I can release and maybe even um, kickstart on my own. Um, I think yeah. that's, that's, there's, that's the path yeah. that I want to take. There's incredible satisfaction to be able to work in it, it, where you, where your love and your life is, you know, the, the love mm-hmm. of, you know, the love of your work is. And, mm-hmm. and even for you working for a studio is certainly not, <clears throat> it's not a step backward or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's not being employed where, where mm-hmm. you are, where, you know, where you love your work. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, so that that makes that makes sense, and and to have that satisfaction, I, I mean, I, I, I don't 
know how well I would fit into, you know, someone else's structure. You know, right. I'd love to write for a living, and mm-hmm. right now I write for myself, and I'm not at the point where it's self-sustaining. But, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, if, if I were to pick, you know, it, it sounds to me, if I were like you, being able to do that kind of work, also, I, I think it's more than just paying your bills because right. I would imagine you're going to learn stuff too. Exactly. You know, if, if, you if you're a work in progress, yeah, mm-hmm. if you're a work in progress for the rest of your life, everything that you do is probably going to add up to, you know, the, the salt mm-hmm. of all your experience is going to add, experiences is going to add up to, to something remarkable in the end, you know, something where you're taking, well, I've got these new skills, I know this new, I like software and stuff like that. Do you work digitally, exactly. by the way? Yes, I, I work digitally. Um, I can work traditionally, but I prefer to work digitally. Yeah, and, and so those tools are, are, are maturing at, mm-hmm. at, at an incredible rate. I mean, mm-hmm. think about where we were 10 years ago, you yeah. know, when, when you, you were starting out. You know, where were we in digital art, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, and then look at the rest of the people. Microsoft said, oh, we're going to get rid of paint. Out of out of windows and, oh, yeah, and everybody I started hollering that. and screaming, you know. <laughs> no, you can't do that. And then they said, "Well, maybe we won't do that." But, yeah, but but there's so many people who are out there, kind of who have who have migrated to digital, mm-hmm. um, you know, digital content creation, and and you know, you've got these this whole industry that's making tools, that's making mm-hmm. tools to to facilitate. Easier animation, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, more more realistic looking artwork, you know, or rendering. And yeah. so it, it sounds to me like you know your path ahead is pretty well defined, and also it's it's going to do nothing but add to your success. Yeah, so, I agree. All right, now now you've got, you're in the middle of a collaboration. Do you find you work well with others? I, I I definitely do. I really enjoy working with other people. Um, I think create. I've always felt like creating with other people is is extremely satisfying. Um, you get to bounce ideas off of each other. You get to play off of each other's strengths, um, and you get to you get to really. There's something about other people. What you can bring something to someone else, and they can bring something to you that you might not have been able to do. On your own. That's not to say that we can't create things, um, great things on our own, but it's it's just there's something really special about seeing um, what what it looks like when your art or your your writing intertwines with someone else's. Um, there, there's a like seeing something that you've written or characters that you made up in your head or written down mm-hmm. on paper, and seeing another artist with a style that you respect and love. Seeing them create a page or a drawing, an illustration with that and your story coming to life in a way that wasn't even done by your own hands is is an amazing amazing feeling. Um, feeling. And um, the the um, the woman that I'm working with, Patricia Daxson, she's she's my friend and she's a really really fantastic artist as well. Um, she's been working on some illustrations and um, pages for something that I that I've written and that we've kind of been working on together. And it's a really great and fun experience, and I, I'm I'm looking forward to the day where we can you know share more of it with you guys. But um, I really enjoy working with other people. Um, I have my moments where you know I want to do things on my own and and really kind of bring it to life. But I always having other people. 
I'm sorry. What, say the last part again. Oh, I was just saying that it's it's a it's a really fun thing to do to have people, you know, working with you, working you know, yeah. on, on the same on projects together. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I mean, it sounds like you you you're I mean, you're you're fairly young. I mean, relatively mm-hmm. young. Mm-hmm. You mind if I ask how old you are? <laughs> no, I'm actually 31. Yeah, see, that's fairly young, you know, to to have the to to seemingly have the body of experience that you have, um, and and also when you think in terms of your longevity, let's mm-hmm. let's just say conservatively, you can have a 30, 40 year career ahead of you, you know, or even yeah. longer if you're, you know, if you're stubborn. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I I think a lot of you know a lot of people, mm-hmm. there there are people who will never retire. Of course. You know, course. like, can you see Carlos Santana retiring? I can't no, see it happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, when you when you have when you have skills and when you have a love of the game. But what you do, it's um, not it's I, not like working a job. It's it's just doing what you love to do. Right, right. So, I mean, how cool is that? Um, right. I, uh, what was I going to ask you? You know, I sh- I really should write stuff down because I'm old. You know, like in white school years of 189. Um, but but uh, two things that I, I think of in terms of longevity. One is I kind of want to know what you're doing in terms of marketing to to kind of get your name out there. Not that you know, not that you're so brand new that nobody knows you. Mm-hmm. But everybody needs to market their work. Everybody needs to kind of keep their name in front of people's eyes and mm-hmm. and maybe keep keep what people see of you fresh. Um, right. What what do you do in the service of doing the business of doing business? Okay, um, um, I do a lot of social media. I'm on um, my Facebook. I have I do things on my regular Facebook, but I also have an art page um, for my Facebook as well as one for my um, Chimera Pride comic. I'm also on Instagram. Um, I don't do a lot on Twitter. I um, I, I basically kind of have my Twitter connected to my Tumblr. Um, I know a lot of people use Twitter and probably should, but I just never really got into it. So I don't, I don't use it like to tweet a lot, except for to like take pictures that I've drawn and I put on my Tumblr, on my Instagram, and kind of show them there. Um, don't you have, made, don't you have two, tw- don't you have two Twitter identities? Two. I think I'm, you know, I looked, I looked you up earlier today. Mhm. And I, well, maybe not. I'll have to go back. Again, okay. you know, I'm old. But go no, ahead. Yeah. No, you're fine. Um, so a lot of but, social networking. Yeah, um, and I feel like that's that's my main thing, just kind of connecting with people and sharing my art online and, and doing um, conventions. Um, I do anime conventions each um, each year. I used to do Heroes Con, which I'm probably going to start back this upcoming year. I just missed this one. Um I wasn't able to go to that one, but I do Heroes Con, I do AWA, um, I'll be doing MomoCon, um, things like that. Um, I, and I feel like that's really what I do as far as my marketing, a lot of mm-hmm, social media mm-hmm. and conventions, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, when you when you go to these conventions, I'm sure mm-hmm. you're at the point now where people recognize you or at least recognize who you are. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of feedback are you getting from other professionals uh, about your level of work and the kinds of things that you've done? Um, when I show my work to professionals, um, um, I think they, they'll tell me that, you know, they, they'll like my stuff and they'll, you know, really appreciate, like, you know, the, the, the emotion or, or the acting in my characters. Um, and they will, you know, 
if I work on um, more pages or or doing uh, more um, draftsmanship or things like um, that, I feel like those are the things that I I mostly have to work on. Um, right. But in general, I I feel like I receive a a good um, good critiques from from them, and it's just a matter of you know just making sure that I continue doing what I'm doing and, and just you know getting it out there. Um, and you know, just I guess continuing to do what I do. Um, I haven't, I haven't had a lot of of time in front of. Um, well, no, I mean I can't say I can't say not professionals because I I'll, I'll how about I'll say like veterans because okay like yeah veterans much all is my, a much much because, better yeah yeah because like uh, all of my peers like uh, they're all professionals and stuff and they all you know tell me that you know I'm doing well and. But um, when it comes to a lot of veterans, I haven't had a lot of time in front of, of many of them except, you know, when I was at SCAD or if I do go and to a couple at a, at a convention and show my portfolio. And they generally, you know, like it, and they'll just tell me the things that I can work on and just, you know, to continue to get better and, and try to just, you know, continue to, to apply to places and, and sh- keep showing my work and that, you know, eventually something will come through. So mm-hmm, that's what mm-hmm. I, that's what I usually have the experience of. And and but it, it it there has to be a certain amount of satisfaction, you know, when you go places like that and you do run into these veterans and you have you know people who might have a a slightly older or or more visible reputation than you, and and they, it sounds like they at least acknowledge you and maybe even embrace you as a peer. Would mm-hmm. that be fair to say? Um, yeah, sometimes that 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 happens to me. Like I. I know I, I mentioned um, one of the editors at, at Viz Media, for instance. Um, um, I was I, I met him during SCAD at an editor's day, and he really, really liked my stuff, um, and he, you know, wanted to work with me on a couple of things, and we continue to, to work on, on things, you know, different freelance projects. Um, mm-hmm. And I have to admit that for a while, when I first met him, I really was really confused, and I felt like he was like trying to be nice to me. And you know, he's like, "I really like your work," you know, like, "Oh, thanks," but you know, he doesn't really like it. But he, you know, as time went on, I realized he really, really liked it. And what really amazed me was that he really does treat me like, like a peer. Um, uh huh. And that was what was surprising to me. And I feel like, um, that was one of the things that that really kind of made me feel. I felt like a professional, but I but I really felt like a professional because like I'm like if if a, if a veteran of um, an editor kind of sees me as someone to work with, I think it made me feel more leg- legitimized, not just like a student trying to be a professional. And it was like, wait, you're already a professional because this is what you do, this is what you this is what you profess to do. So um, that really was a, a great feeling. And and when you do talk to people and they they talk to you like you know you're a peer and they give you um, advice, but, you know, they don't talk down to you. You know, if they appreciate your work, they'll let you know. If you if they have something that they feel like would help you better, then they let you know. And, and yes, that really does give you a lot. It makes you feel really, really great. So I, well, I really I mean, that appreciate level, that. Yeah, that level of validation is important mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are, there's still a lot of people out there who treat this kind of creative endeavor as like a zero-sum mentality where you know they don't they don't want to see anybody else compete with them or they don't right. want to give anybody else 
encouragement because they feel that every dollar you right, make is right. actually taken it's out of their pocket. Away from there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's a tough road to hoe. But you know, mm-hmm. I think that what we're seeing is, I I saw uh, someone in the chat room say that there is room enough for all of us. And, exactly. And the thing is, is when people start to get into that mentality, mm-hmm. then then the support and the networking actually can grow your own revenue, you know, with other people helping rather than hindering or trying to run you down. So that's that's always a good thing to see, um, that you get that kind of validation. And and I like how, you know, it sounds like your peers do have respect for your work. And that mm-hmm. always helps. You know, and, and what does that do for your hypercritic your hypercritical nature, you know, toward yourself? Um well I really feel like it it helps a lot and, like, because I know I still have my issues with it, but I know for a fact that it would be so much worse and I probably would have given up by now if I didn't have that reassurance, that validation from friends and family and peers and and even, you know, like, veterans saying, no, that's, you know, your work is good. You, you, you You have chops. And so it does really help the in fact like I feel like the last like I said the last year or so I have become really aware of it because people have been you know so reassuring and it's like well all these people say you have talent why 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 what are you seeing that they're not seeing what are they seeing that you're not seeing or or and vice versa what are you seeing that they're not seeing and maybe mm-hmm, maybe what mm-hmm. you're seeing isn't really there and you're just being super hard on yourself so Whenever I do something, I have to be like, I'll say what I feel about it or feel what I feel about it, and then I'll be like, okay, I'll just stop. Is this legitimate, or are you just being your worst <laughs> critic? And most of the time, I'm just like, oh, I'm just being my worst critic. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and that's, I mean, look at, look at, I mean, that's a pretty cool thing to, A, make the determination, and B, let it go. Letting exactly, it go is the exactly. hardest thing for creators, oh, yeah. you know. Yes. When I'm, when I'm in the middle of writing a book, I, mm-hmm. I dream about it. I actually mm-hmm. oh, dream God, yes. about it. And, and you know, <laughs> I wake up in the morning and go, what the, f- were you thinking, you know, or, or, or what, whatever is appropriate for, exactly. for the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, you know, you're, you, you, you're fairly mature in where you are as a commercial contract or commercial talent. If, if mm-hmm. you had to go in front of, you know, the classes that you took, and, and talk to those students who have yet to graduate. Um, what, there, there's two things. What are what is the what advice would you give them to avoid pitfalls that you may have experienced, or or to avoid you know getting on that hamster run and just running themselves ragged in a in a in a spiral that doesn't serve them. You know, what advice do you have for for younger people coming up? who wants to try to get to where you are? Uh, okay. Um, number one, do it. Don't, don't, like, ideas are great, but you have to make those ideas real. And don't wait till it's perfect. Don't wait till you've got it all figured out in your head and you can see exactly how you're going to do it. Just do it. The change and the getting better will come with time, with with practice, with continued dedication. Just do mm-hmm. it. It doesn't have to be perfect. 
you'll do it, and you might not like everything, but you know what? You have the next time. The sooner you're over mm-hmm. with one project, the sooner you can have one and have something behind you. Be like, oh, I did this, but I'm working on this. I didn't like that much, much, but you know what? Here, I'm working on this thing. I did this thing, but now I'm working on this. And that's how you create a body of work. That's really important. Um, like we've been talking about, being hypercritical of yourself, be able to say, is this like a true statement or am I being hypercritical? Um, don't do that. Surround yourself or do your best to surround yourself with people who are going to push you and not just be like everything's fine, you know? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have good um, critics, people who actually yes, and, add, add to your understanding of where your art is. Um, <clears throat> and things, and don't let fear consume you. Yes, things are super scary. I see someone put, you know, doing something sounds really scary. It is, it is, I know it is. Like, things are scary for me, but, you know, if we really want our team, our dreams, the best stuff is on the other side of fear. Um, we, uh, you it the the things that really are worth something you you really got to fight for and right now guys I am totally like preaching to myself too so so like don't you know you know feel like I'm just kind of you know pulling stuff out it's it's really true I think those are the most important things and and not to give up so surround yourself with people who inspire you and people who push you um, who encourage you um, it's okay to be afraid but you you still got to push through. That's what courage is. That's what being brave is about. It's not about not mm-hmm. being afraid. It's mm-hmm. about doing what you have to do even though you're afraid. And, you know, doing a little bit every day, you know, try to be a better version of yourself than you were yesterday. And if you just do that, then a year from now, two years from now, ten years from now, you won't believe what you've accomplished. And I think that's what's most important. Wow. And obviously great advice, um, and especially since, you know, like I said, you haven't been doing this for 50 years. Right. And, and to, you know, achieve that level of self-awareness is good. And and I like the fact that you know that you're a little psychotic about judging yeah. your own work. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean it, first of all, what do they say? Uh, oh, know thyself. Yeah, you know, exactly. You have to, you have to, you you have have to, to understand yourself. yourself Mm-hmm. In order to to get something done, and and to and, and to even decide what the hell you're going to do, you know you have to know yourself. Um, don't don't decide to be a brain surgeon if mm-hmm. uh, if a that's not what you want to do. And exactly. You're doing it for the money, and and mm-hmm. you know you're miserable every freaking day of your life. Exactly. Nobody wants to have exactly. to go through that. Mm-hmm. I I would also add to what you said. I would also add that. It is essential to feed your own soul. It's essential yes. to do the things yes. that make you happy because mm-hmm. I, I see so many people who do stuff and they're miserable at it, you know. And and I I talked to I I started writing in 2001 and I I joined a bunch of writers groups and things like that. And, and there were a lot of people, I mean, far too many people who were very unhappy because, oh, I started a book 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and I said, well, what's keeping you from finishing it? Well, life got in the way, you know, I, mm-hmm. I get a new job, or I got married, or I got kids, and mm-hmm. and, and, and they're, not, they're patently and visibly, visibly unhappy. So, yeah. I, you know, I, th- I think it's really essential that you do carve out some time. You carve out to do what you, you carve like, out yeah. the, the, yeah, to not only to the time to do it, but just to do it. Right. You know, 
I, I can't imagine having somebody, and I know this happens so often, somebody working on a book for 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, that, I, that, that's, first of all, it seems like an incredibly long time. And think of what it takes out of you psychologically and it's, psychically yeah, exactly. to be working on something for that long and not have any payoff. And maybe, maybe even if you're working on it, you know, in a solitary manner, not even having anyone else acknowledge the um, fact yeah. that there's, there's a creative side to you. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing that you said was just do it. Don't worry about it if it's perfect. And the corollary for writing is, is um, and I figured this out, you can edit something forever, okay? Yeah. I can't, I can't read my first book because yeah. <laughs> I'm, unhappy, I'm unhappy with it because right. I look at it and I go, oh, you know, out of 220,000 words, there's 42 typos in there. That drives mm-hmm. me nuts. And, oh, yeah, I can do another edition, but that's going to cost, you know, a lot of money out of pocket. Exactly. But, but I, could have, I could have edited that forever. I could still be editing that. But exactly. you were so wise to say at some point you have to let it go so that you can do something else, so that you can mature as a talent. And, mm-hmm. and so these, these little things are things that, that novices don't know. These are things that people who sit down, and they may not have had a creative writing class. They may not have had, you know, the kinds of classes you had for drawing. Mm-hmm. They'll never know about themselves or their genre or their right. art or their talent or whatever. So those are, those are all good pieces of advice. Now, since you started out, could you tell us what, what the most rewarding part or the most rewarding incident that happened to you, you know, early on, you know, something that made you go this Damn it! This is what I should be doing. This this tells me that this that I'm where I'm supposed to be. Did you have an aha moment like that? Did you have something come along that kind of pushed that at you, or pulled that out of you? Um. Well, I can't really say that there was like a specific moment that um that I. I had that was like, oh, well, this is definitely, I know what I want to do. But I do know that, you know, when I was younger, I I kind of always would say that I wanted to, you know, write, you know, be an author illustrator. I wanted to, you know, tell stories and write the pictures to go with them. So when I found out that I could go to school for that, I was like, oh, well, that's perfect, you know. And I know that, you know, working at other places that weren't, didn't have anything to do with art really made me, feel like this is not where I want to be. This is, I, I could not be happy doing this. So it wasn't so much of this great, like, great feeling of like, ah, this is where I need to be. It was more of a like, I obviously can't be anywhere else. This is, you know, I, I just mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm most, I feel like when I'm writing or creating, it's, it's the most, rewarding like when i see things that i've drawn really well i i one of the the, the the great feelings is like when you like if i've written something and i haven't looked at it in a little bit and then i go back and i read over it and i'm like oh this is good <laughs> you know and i'm just like that really satisfying feeling of 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 looking at something that you created and being proud of it and it and it brings you a certain satisfaction that like other things just don't bring me um mm-hmm. so i mm-hmm. i can't say that it's any one moment, but when I look back over my life and I look at the times where I was most satisfied, it was a moment where I was creating something, which made, and 
and which led me to believe that that was where I was, that's where I needed to be. I needed to be creating things. I needed to be being a creator. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it was kind of like, this is where I'm at home right here. Yeah, exactly. Like I said before, when I, I mean, it wasn't on this same level, but when I switched over to a fine arts degree in undergrad, when I went to class and I was doodling in my sketchbook and I looked around the class and, like, almost everybody else was, you know, doodling in their sketchbook too. I was like, oh, okay, I'm home, you know? Yeah. And so that's 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 really important. Like, I just drawing and, and writing is, is so satisfying. And um, I, I feel like each of those moments is what really brought me to that, like, I I haven't had that moment where like I I wouldn't say I've had that payoff yet but I do know that when I when I share like when I when I like if I post a comic page on online and I worked on the page and then I brought it out there and people laugh at the moment or they say oh my gosh I love Maya like a character in in um in my Chimera Prize thing like that's exciting like when people there you go. When people fall in love with my characters, that is, like, the most satisfying thing. Like, that makes me so excited. That makes me feel so good, like, when I can create a character and know that character so well and and almost feel like they're almost real because I've put so much work into them. And then I share them with someone, and someone loves them as much as I do. That's, that's, that's where it's at for me. So. Yeah. And 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 in terms of that, I mean, to get to get that external satisfaction is like a really cool thing. I'm kind of wondering, and not everybody does, and you know, not everybody's suited to do it. But do you think that you might, you know, at some point, and or, or maybe you do, do, have you thought about outreach to younger people to help them pull to help pull them along and and help them, you know realize a certain amount of potential for their own creativity um have you considered you know that that aspect of mentorship now i've really um i've thought about that like um um it was actually something that i was you know that my mother and i were discussing a while back and she was like you know that would be really interesting wouldn't that um like possibly like you know open up a kind of like mentoring school or like an uh even doing like an after school program where you taught kids to do comics and you know, write and, and things like that. And I think that that would be a really great thing because I really do enjoy writing and it really does bring me a great satisfaction. I really feel like it's a a, a good thing, a, a great a release. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's it's fun. It's 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 um cathartic. It's it's a lot of different things, and I feel like it would be a great thing for people, and especially young people, to learn and and kind of release that creative energy. And and, and many of them, that might be something that they would love to do for life, and that would be really great. Um, at this point, um, in my life, um, I'm really not sure how um to go about doing that, and I, especially with me trying to make sure that I've kind of created a a solid um life for myself um, before yeah, I can actually tell them for you. Yeah, to get yeah, that foundation. Yeah. But I definitely feel like it would, like I would like to kind of impart that knowledge and that, <clears throat> and, and that, that way of life, that creative way of life to others. And because I know when I was younger, it was, it was a great thing to do it. It like drawing and, and writing and things, all of those things really kind of helped me and, and, and kind of let me understand myself more. It let me explore worlds and kept me entertained. Um, 
in a way that, you know, a lot of other things to do. Everybody has, you know, the things that they enjoy. You know, some people might like mm-hmm. sports. Some people might like science. Some people like the outdoors. And all those things are wonderful. Um, my thing was creating things, like writing and, and drawing. And I know that some people might not even know that that's a, that's a thing that they can do. Um, I didn't realize I could go to school for comics until college. Imagine what it would be cool if you knew you could go to school for comics when you were, like, in the second grade. And so I, I think that would be cool to do at some point once I've I've kind of solidified myself and, and have a lot, like, even more to offer than I than I, I do at this moment. At least that's how I view it. Yeah, and, and it also sounds like you've got the personality that's well-suited for it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you. It, you, you know, a lot of a lot of creatives are more insular and mm-hmm. um, you know, let's say shy or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Like I tell people how incredibly shy I am, and they just laugh in my face. Yeah, that's, I do the I, same thing. I'm just like I'm super introverted guy, and they're like, "What are you talking and, about?" And, 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 and they go, "Well, yeah, but you do a radio, you do this, you do that. Mm-hmm. You always got a mm-hmm. joke and everything." But you know, that's my representative handling all you people. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sitting exactly. in my head in a little chair going. <laughs> watching what's going on but but teaching is a tough thing you know because mm-hmm. but it's also hyper rewarding um mm-hmm. i did i did a, a seminar with i think it was like 11 12 13 year olds a few summers ago and we were talking about writing stories and we were, you know mm-hmm. everybody was talking about well you know uh, I, I i have an idea or you know these kids were real excited about it mm-hmm. and and seeing their excitement and then reading what they come up with is is unbelievable. I mean, they, you know, people. What's in people's minds? You, it, it's so funny that you can't look at somebody and tell. You can't right. look in their face and know that this person wrote the funniest Star Trek parody that I've ever seen. You know, from anybody, <laughs> right. and he's thirteen years old or whatever. Right. You know, he could he could have written Galaxy Quest. That's how funny exactly. he was about making fun of Star Trek, and and so. <laughs> You know, the, the the part about mentoring and teaching and things like that, um, it's, it's always pretty cool and rewarding. And <clears throat> one of the things that I've found, I, I don't run into many kids at these conventions. You know, they're mostly mm-hmm. adults. Mm-hmm. But every now and then, you know, some adult brings their, their teenager with them, and a teenager will ask me a question, well, how did you get a story like this story? What made you think of that? And I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell them that it was cocaine. But I'm I'm going to tell them that there was a certain amount of you know all of a sudden uh-huh. I had an idea and I right. and then I turn it right around and ask them what kind of ideas have you had what kind of what story exactly. is in your head right now that you think is cool and then when you hear it and you can get them to write it down it it's it's such a mm-hmm. special moment so I mean yeah. I really dig that and and that's that's the reason why I ask you also plus you you know just talking to you you have the kind of personality that would respond well to to kids and kids would respond well to you so it seems like a natural fit for when you're ready that's the other thing you won't you you, you know you won't do it when you're not ready because right. you know no, you could you could tell the teachers who don't want to be there mm-hmm. you know yeah, you, yeah, I can. <laughs> how many teachers did you have at school who you go on well wait this is the same lecture that you were doing in 1958 yeah well, <laughs> I'm just collecting my paycheck you know, exactly you know so yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. And and also your your drawing is evocative, um, I think, for a, a child's imagination. And when I say oh, child, yeah. I say, you know, slightly yeah, yeah. preteen, teenagers, yeah, things yeah, like that's, that. 
I feel like a lot of my stories kind of um, are around that age group. I really enjoy writing for, like, that kind of preteen, young teen, right under teen kind of age group, like that, you know, 12 to 16-ish kind of. I, I do a lot of those stories, so, yeah. Yeah, and and the other part that I'm wondering is um, when when you craft your stories, do you have an age classification limit, uh, a target in mind when you put your stories together? Do you do PG? Do you do PG-13? Do you do you want to go G? You know, and I mentioned G because of the whole influence from mm-hmm. from Disney. You know, mm-hmm. so when you craft your stories. What level are you kind of, I mean, how are you, what's the nuts and bolts of your target audience in terms of you crafting that story? Well, the the funny thing for me is um, when I'm writing a story, I really just write a story that I I want to uh, write. Just like when I, I don't really, when I first come up with the story, I'm not really thinking about my target audience. Um, I start writing it. And then once I've kind of gotten a gist of what it is, I'm like, okay, who does this sound like it belongs to? Like, which group? Is this is this um, for way younger kids or if it's for older kids or if it's two in the middle, what can I do to either, what can I take out to make it a little bit more kid-friendly? What can I put into it to make it a little bit more um, um, digestible for an, uh, an older audience? Um, I basically start with something that I, I just want to write, and then I, I tweak it to fit whichever group it needs to fit. Um, so I've written things that were, um, you know, for really little kids um, and things that, you know, were for more young adults. Um, it, it, it just really depends on, on the story that I'm creating, I think. But at first, I'm, at, when I first create it, I, I'm not really thinking about who it's for. I really just write something that I wanted to read. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's, <laughs> so, concept, it's concept first and then tailoring, tailoring next. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Now, have you ever written strictly for adults? Um, I don't. I'm just curious. It's I don't I don't I guess I'm not really because even when when I write um adult, it's still more of a a young adult type of okay. of, of writing. Um, uh-huh. yeah, because I I do a lot of spec fiction, but even like the things that I've written would would still be something that um a 14, 15, 16-year-old could probably still read. Um, so I, I can't say that I've written anything that was, like, strictly for adults. Okay, yeah, I uh, when I when I did my first book, I tr- put mm-hmm. everything in there but the kitchen sink. Mm-hmm. And, and I, put, <laughs> I, put a, I put a love scene in there, which may uh-huh. keep it out of high schools. I don't know. Oh, uh, okay, um, it depends yeah. On how, well, you know, and so... So now that I think about it, I don't want to change it because it's essential to the story. But right. you know, maybe, maybe had I had more forethought, and and uh, and frankly, more experience, I would mm-hmm. have done things differently or or even better. You know, like mm-hmm. I said, I'm a work in progress. I think I think everything that I do gets better and better. Every book that I write, I think, is is better crafted. And right. Also, right. I think that. The benefit to that is every book that I write gets easier and easier. You know, right. so, I think so once 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 I think somebody's talent matures, it also helps them in terms of, you know, how how fast they can get things done. And mm-hmm. and when you don't have to worry about craft, the fundamentals, the the ABC, mm-hmm. the there there theirs, and and mm-hmm. all of that, 
I think that I'm much better at crafting a story because I don't have to be hung up on a lot of the details that exactly. I needed to know when I when I started out. And is I'm, is it like that for you? Um, yeah, I agree. I, I I remember watching this video on a guy who was um 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 who played guitar and he would like people would ask him like how he comes up with all of these you know these amazing ideas for his music and how he can just mm-hmm. sit there and like come up with this really cool rift or or whatever and he was basically he really was trying to think about why it is what his creativity how he kind of unlocked what his, his creativity process was yeah. And, yeah and he says that it's really because he knows all the nuts and bolts the basic mechanics he knows the basics by heart like he knows them like they're they're second nature to him, and once right. you learned all of that, you you're not limited. You're just free to be creative and just kind of like if you get this really interesting idea, you can just put it down and and it sounds great because you're not trying to figure out like oh I gotta gotta hit this note after this note or anything like that. And it, it applies mm-hmm. here in, in in the writing and in in the drawing. You can become a lot more creative and experiment and do all kinds of things when you know the basics. You're not hung up on, on these little things like oh, like, like a simple like with um, uh, anatomy. Um, I can draw a really cool picture if I'm not like oh, I don't know how to draw this hand in this position or this like yeah, how do I draw yeah. this, this leg in this position? Well, that'll limit you know what you can draw if you if you're not familiar with how the basics of drawing certain things same thing with lighting you know it's it's just knowing your basics knowing your core um will help you to be more creative mhm mm-hmm. and and fundamentals are important you know there's a lot of people out there who start to draw you know and they want to get into it pro- professionally and maybe didn't have the fundamentals of anatomy and or movement or 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 whatever or or, or in my case I people say, hey, could you take a look at what I've written? And I read it and I go, well, first of all, you don't know grammar. Mm-hmm. And, and second of all, you know, this is, this is not very compelling writing because you're, you're lacking some of the fundamentals. And, and I, I, I see what you're saying, that once you have the fundamentals down, you don't have to be hung up on those. And, right. and it's freeing. It's liberating to be able to just concentrate on the creative aspect rather than the nuts and bolts of, you know, the, the the construction, or, or like in my case, you know, trying to figure out how to draw a five-fingered hand instead of a four-fingered hand. Mm-hmm, um, exactly. So, so yeah, I get that, and that that makes a lot of sense. Um, we've got about ten minutes to go. Is mm-hmm. there anything, you know, in 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 your creative life that that you want to mention that you haven't mentioned yet? I mean, mm-hmm. have we have we covered? You know, have I done a good enough job of 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 for information <laughs> about who you are and stuff? Well, oh no, you know, I want to ask. You know, because no. sometimes people go, "Oh, I forgot to talk about X, Y, or Z." Um, I don't think that there's um anything in particular that I feel that we haven't really discussed. Um, um, yeah, like here's, I, here's, I, yeah, yeah. Here are my major takeaways from you. Okay, mm-hmm. you you knew what you wanted to do early in life, all right, mm-hmm. and you really set out to do it. You had good support, a good support team behind you, family, friends, uh, and, and more recently collaborators and other mm-hmm. people, other mature talents in the industry. Um, mm-hmm. You developed a, a, a 
fairly unique style, which is easy to recognize. You know, I look at it, and this is, you mm-hmm. know, when I, when I look at what you've done, it's uniquely you. And you're you're really open to new experiences in terms of collaboration, yeah. in terms of mm-hmm. exploring new new storylines and things like that, and that you do you do take a certain amount of of uh, creative um, not license, but you you you're able to look at other things and kind of apply them creatively again because you know what your fundamentals are, so you can concentrate more on the things that. That, that really drive a story, you know, putting together compelling characters, situations exactly. that, that make sense, situations that people will understand and go, oh, yeah, I've had that sort of thing happen to me. I wonder how she resolves that, or I wonder how he's going to get out of that, or, oh, he really stepped in at that time. How's he going to pull back? You know, and, mm-hmm. and so it, it seems like just about at every turn, you've got a good future ahead of you in terms of your creative endeavors and i'm mm-hmm. i'm you know i'm no i'm serious um i'm impressed with that and and you know i you know some people say well she's pretty young to do it some will say well she's old you know mm-hmm. but but being able to mature your talent to this point is is something that a lot of people would love to do and i think that you're you're fairly fortunate in that you you've got a great head on your shoulders and you're able to be self-directed like this in, mm-hmm. you know in a successful way so i you know i don't i i don't see much in terms of you having to do uh, anything in the future other than what you talked about you know mature your art you know make the next project turn out better than the last project and yeah. and then find other people around you who feed your soul who may want to do some fun things with you that you would not necessarily have been able to do on your own. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, this is like one of the easiest shows I've ever done. Uh, <laughs> I, well, I mean, it is. You know, there's some people, I'm not going to name his name, but there was one guy who kept giving me one-word answers. Oh, and, no. and <laughs> Yeah, and cellular technology has not matured enough to the point where I could reach through the phone, grab him by the neck, and shake him. <laughs> so I was really disappointed in that. But oh. but no, I mean, you know, this this has been this has been a good a good examination of how you started, what you do, and where you're going to go. Um, if you. if you had if you had your your greatest wish come true, kind of like mine of winning the lottery, which is going to be really hard because <laughs> I don't play. You know, yeah, I figured right. out that when you, when you play the lottery, you've got almost the same chance of winning whether you play or not. So I keep exactly. my money in my pocket. So I'm not going to win. But, I mean, when you think about, you know, what you would wish for yourself, let's let's talk 10 years down the road. What what would be the coolest place for you to be, you know, that far into your future? Um, I think the like the most amazing thing would be to have multiple um graphic novels out um and have them um well known i would like to uh, see people talking about my character seeing people and this is like a really simple thing but it, it would just be so satisfying to be able to go to a con and see people dressing up as the characters that I've created, like little girls, older people dressing up and loving the characters, people coming to me and being like, oh, my God, 
I love, I don't know, I love Maya. I love Crisis, you know, so much. This person, like, she's so me or he's so me. I, I totally get this person. Or this story totally touched me and got me through this moment. Like, that's what I would, I would, I would love to, to just see my work in front of people and really affecting people's lives in a real way. I think that mm-hmm. would be, like, the greatest thing. Well, I think, you know, at least from your artwork perspective, I think you've got that down. And then, you know, now it's just a matter of accumulating or actually putting together the stories, you know, uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, producing and and producing your creative universes for your characters mm-hmm. to play in. Mm-hmm. And then the rest should be fairly easy. And I don't mean easy like, oh, getting your name out there is easy because it's not. You know, this is this is the hurdle that every creative faces, which is how to get your work above the background noise so other people can discover you. But mm-hmm. I think that once people discover you, your your work is probably going to be compelling enough that they will keep coming back. So that's a plus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, thank you. Being, thank you. See, seeing people dress up as your characters, that's pretty cool. I've been to some of these cons. I've been to World Con and Boston uh, and things like that. And I've seen people who are just so incredibly devoted to characters mm-hmm. that they love, that yes. that the level of detail in their costumes, their their commitment, it's it's mm-hmm. unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I saw it someone really who is. looked exactly like George R. R. Martin, and I went up <laughs> to great costume, and he said, he said, no, no, I'm I'm really George, and I went, oh, sorry. And I had to go. Um, <laughs> but oh my god. <laughs> But, but if you put up if you put up a creative universe and people start populating it outside mm-hmm. of the universe, that's got that's again that's that's a level of validation that exactly that that is I think that feeds the soul more than most anything else. You know, maybe mm-hmm. even more so than than the revenue that you get from it because exactly. you know that you touch people's lives. Exactly. I saw there was exactly. a there was a clip floating around the internet oh about a week ago. Mm-hmm. And an author took her daughter to go see Gal Gadot, you know, oh, yeah, um, Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Did you see that? Did you see that yeah. girl? And and yeah, she got was... there and she was so overwhelmed. She just started mm-hmm. to cry because. Uh, yeah, so, so amazing. I mean, how cool would that be if somebody, you know, hits you up like that? Exactly. Like, I think that would you just know. be so rewarding. Like those, those, like those moments, they're just got to be so rewarding, you know, like just to see people so invested in your characters and knowing that you kind of, that you really moved someone like that because of something that you created and that you shared, you know, it's just, that's got to be an amazing feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, what kind of, you know, I, I forgot to ask you, you know, you, you mentioned some people have at least told you the work that you've done is, um, you know, is compelling. Do you have anything out now uh, that's yours that people can can pick up, you know, that that actually is a, you know, your written and artistic work, you know, something that's uniquely in your in your bailiwick, in your creative universe? Um, well, like like I said right now, I do have I'm working on a webcomic that's posting um, pretty regularly um, called Chimera Pride. On my my website that I posted um, earlier, the um, acdstudiosllc.com, that has a couple of my um, my short um, short comics. Like there's like eight pages or so of different things that I've that I've both written and um, drawn things that have been in anthologies and things like that. So I feel like that's a good place as far as um, 
seeing some of my comic work. Um, as far as my written work, I don't have a lot of, of written work available, like like my novels or short stories. I don't have a lot of that available to the public. Um, I've been mostly mm-hmm. focusing on on comics um, since I've been in school. But I'm like I said earlier, I was hoping to get um, – I'm working on a novel that I'm hoping that I'll be able to share. Or maybe I'll just, you know, in the meantime, just kind of share some short stories that might be nice. But for the most part, I have comics available for people to see. So Very cool. And and you know what? When you have something new come out, please post a, a message up at BSFS so that mm-hmm. Jarvis can can send it out to the whole membership so that they can know, um, you know, they can know that you have something new, something something available that that really showcases what you've done. Um, okay, sure. Thank you. All right. So anyway, it's like five of. I want to ask Jarvis to come in and and give us the latest on a couple projects at BSFS. I'd like you to hold on until after the show, just in case you know people have any last lingering questions that they want to ask you. Plus, it's bait to get people to listen to the show live because it's kind of like <laughs> the after show, the after party that they yeah. would be invited to in any case. So is that okay, okay. with you? Okay. Yeah, that's fine. All right. So as as soon as uh, Jarvis can, oh, he's here already. Oh my God. Um, hey man, how are you? Hey, I'm here. I'm doing good and glad to be on here tonight. Um, the show has been exceptional, and getting to know this artist is is so great. I've been watching the work for um, well, probably about um, maybe eight months, seven months when I first ran across. Um, some of the preliminary drawings for the Keisha project with Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't do that. (laughs) And so that's when I first got introduced. uh, And so I was just like, wow, this is some awesome, awesome work. So just keep doing what you're doing. And um, I I know something something major is going to happen real soon because the artwork I see is fantastic. So keep doing what you're doing. I want to thank everyone, um, as always, for supporting what we're doing um, with the site, with the magazine, with the radio show, and also the 3D film that we're working on. Um, uh, that's, William asked about, uh, you know, some of the, uh, me to come on and say a few things about some of the projects that we're working on. One of the projects, uh, we're, yeah, we're a few years into it. It seems like the never-ending project, but uh, it's in progress. Uh, our short film, or I'm sorry, our full-length film, Earth Squadron, and um, it's 3D. Uh, check it out at earthsquadron.com and you get an opportunity. Um, we have several members of the website working on that project. Uh, we're also finishing the last few touches on Genesis Science Fiction Magazine. Uh, I know it's a little late, but better late than never, so <laughs> we're still working on that, and it'll be out in a few days. Also. We're in the process of um, completing Genesis 3, uh, the anthology of short stories from members of the website. And I think those are the top top few things that we have going on right now, in addition to just the normal maintenance of the website, you know, posting information um, about what's going on, who's doing it, and getting um, new members to get together and network and work on projects. So. I want to thank everybody for supporting us as always and continue to support us. We will continue to support you as best we can by utilizing our um, avenues. In addition to the website, we have 
um, the Twitter, we have the Facebook, we have the Tumblr, we have all these social media outlets. So come on here and post um, what you're doing um, in terms of the dates so we can support you on those dates. Come on and share your short stories, your photos, your videos, and we're also uh, continue to try to support you by posting that stuff on our social media so, so that people do know about what you're doing. So that's it in a nutshell. And thank you, as always, for everyone for participating and for sharing your time with us. It's greatly appreciated. Yes, and on my part, I want to say uh, thank you, Angel, for, for being here and giving up, your, giving up your Friday night because it's not always an easy thing to do. Um, uh, no, no, you know, I'd probably just be reading and listening to an audio book or something. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, but uh, but still, it's to be able to share this kind of thing. Plus, you know, I think that these, these interviews are good for the, the interviewee because yeah. It's something you can link to. Um, mm-hmm. If you do an interview on radio or TV, you get maybe six minutes. If you're lucky, you'll get 12 minutes. But to be able to mm-hmm. talk to somebody for a couple of hours about about right. their life, it, it gives people you know some insight into the personalities. And <laughs> and let's be honest, the more people know about you and like you, the the better off you know you are because they're going to be interested in your art. And yeah. and so I want to thank uh, I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank Jarvis as always for for thank for hosting this show and and allowing me to do this for so long. Um, yeah, you know, I've been doing this for a lot of well, a few years. What is it? Mm-hmm. Five years, Jarvis? Oh, I think well, four, maybe five now. Um, you know, I'm getting old, so it all kind of <laughs> you don't remember either. Yeah, <laughs> and and. And, um, you know, I want to thank the people who show up regularly because that's always a boost, knowing that people are, are, are checking out the show live. I know a mm-hmm. lot of people pick up shows as a podcast, and, you know, I don't necessarily see those. So, you know, it's always uh, very encouraging to me to see people who want to check out the show. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, Ms. Davis. Thank you, thank Mr. You. Sheffield. Thank you, everybody, for oh, helping make this show a success. And um, we'll be back next Friday with a new guest, and uh, we'll see you all then. So hang on, Angel, okay? Yeah. All right, and that will end on that point right there. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.